Welcome to episode 36 welcome, of welcome. Everything Woo. EOS. I'm Zach Gawler, in-house EOS cheerleader here at ICO Alert, the trusted ICO discovery platform. And I'm... Oh. Visit ICOalert.com, the most complete calendar of all active and upcoming ICOs. And I'm being joined today with my hackathon teammate and fellow ICO Alertian, Peter Kay. Hey, hey, what's up? I'm known as Bitkenstein on the webs. Along with, as always, the founder and CEO of block producer Cypherglass, Rob Finch. Thank you all so much for joining us for yet a, another episode of Everything EOS. We're going to kick it off. We have some exciting news that you probably saw on Twitter, but we're going to break it all down and tell you what it means in just a sec. Uh, before we get started, I just wanted to thank you all so much for continuing to leave those positive comments on the videos and on the podcast that we do. Uh, it means a ton to us, and it gets us excited to do these episodes. Um, before we get started, I do need to mention that this podcast is not sponsored. Uh, we don't receive any compensation for doing this podcast. Zach Gall, Peter, and I are just three exciting members or excited members of the EOS community. We, we used to be excited, um, I, not anymore. <laughs> yeah, not anymore. <laughs> yeah, we're super I, excited. I can't wait for today. I, 100%. And we do have to disclose, of course, that all of us do hold EOS tokens. We may also be talking a little bit about dice and some other things, so we'll just go ahead and disclose that as well. Um, but yeah, please don't take any of our opinions that we talk about during the show as legal, financial, tax, professional, or any other kind of advice. We're simply just talking about our opinions about open source software. All right, P, you can take my line. You got to remind people to like and subscribe and smash smash buttons. Go okay. ahead, smash it. Remember to belt that like button. It really helps us out if you give us good reviews on YouTube, give us good reviews on iTunes, wherever you're listening. Help more people find the show by hitting like, subscribe, share. You know all the stuff. Oh, that was that was great. All right, so on today's podcast, we're going to be discussing Galaxy Digital's recent investment into mythical games uh, and what that means for ESIO, and we're also going to recap our experiences from the hackathon last weekend. Uh, let's just get to it, guys. That's where that sound effect comes from. All right, so let, let's just kick this off. Pete's a new member of the Everything EOS crew here. He, he will be a somewhat recurring member moving forward. He's a really interesting individual. He's worked with me here at ICO Alert since what? When did you start here? February. February. Why don't you uh, give a little bit about your background? I'm Peter Kay. I have a background both in programming and in writing content, mostly for video games, actually, which we'll talk about later. And uh, was at the EOS Hackathon with Zach Gall. I was the C++ Ooh, yeah. dev, smart contract guy. I also like humanities, philosophy, stuff like that, and how they intersect with crypto and the future we want to build. I'm interested in universal resource inheritance, which we should talk about at some point. And uh, yeah, all around, love EOS and uh, the crypto space. Yeah, if you guys heard a universal resource inheritance podcast over, I don't know, like the last two weeks, that, that was this guy here. You probably don't know him. He doesn't do video very frequently. Yeah, that's going to change soon. <laughs> So, so nice. Rob, where, Rob, you're remote. Why don't we explain the situation? Yeah, so at? I actually just got – I am in Virginia right now. So, of course, you know, I have that place in Pittsburgh. Just got another place in Virginia to be closer to family and uh, a bunch of friends. I have like 60-plus family members who live in the city. So I got another place. And my cat – one of my cats, as you can see, is, is mm -hmm. trying to join in on the fun. But So I'll be going back and forth. There will be some times where I'm in the studio with you guys. There will be some times where I'm on the road. But either way, we're going to make it work and keep these episodes coming. All right. So you were the one that broke the news in the first place on Twitter with the 200 plus likes and a million retweets. Why don't you introduce <laughs> the Mythical Games investment and explain what it means to you and to ESI as a whole? 
Absolutely. So if you guys saw, uh, over the last week or so, we got uh, a new announcement from Galaxy Digital that finally came out. Galaxy Digital, run by Mike Novogratz, is one of those uh, EOS VC funds. So there are five right now that are trying to you know, dish out that billion dollars that Block One has put up to fund dApps on EOS. And uh, what we saw recently was actually a power team of executives and game designers and all these different people that left uh, a bunch of different companies, Activision, um, which I guess now is Activision Blizzard, but they named Activision. Hold on, I got to move my cat. <laughs> They named Activision and Blizzard separately, um, but then you also have you know people from companies like Niantic, one of the founders, John Linden of Mythical Games, which is the company that got the investment, actually sold his last mobile game company to Niantic, who is, of course, the makers of Pokemon Go. So really a power team of people that have worked on World of Warcraft, Call of Duty, you know, some huge mobile games, all kinds of stuff, and they're all coming together to build games on EOS. And the most exciting part about it, I think, is not just that they're building on EOS or doing all these things, but they're trying to build player-created and player-owned economies on EOS, which is pretty awesome. And I think we should unpack that concept a little bit. So I actually found a really interesting video. So you meant, you, you gave some insight of the team. I'm just going to walk through the background of, of some of these members of the team. And I'm going to let the CEO introduce himself on a video clip here. But the CEO, his name's John Linden. He, like Rob said, he's a former studio head at Activision. He was uh, the president of the Niantic acquired Seismic Games. Let's just go to the clip. He does a better job of introducing himself than I can. So my name is John Linden. Uh, I've been in the game industry for, for quite a while. I originally started off on kind of the big publisher side or the big developer side. So I was a uh, studio head at Activision for about four and a half years, mostly in Call of Duty. Uh, so, so we spent a lot of time in Call of Duty and the beast that was Call of Duty. Um, and then also did a Skylanders game uh, in mobile. We did kind of a very innovative kind of physical trading card uh, where you actually paid at the retail store with physical trading cards, which was opened up a whole amazing can of worms with Apple and Google, which I think is going to relate to what we're going to see with the crypto world. And then most recently, I've been at Seismic Games. So we, we had a game called uh, we had a game called uh, Marvel Strike Force was our most recent game. So it was a top 25 mobile game uh, that came out in May. And then we recently sold that to Niantic um, in June. All right. So yeah, John Linden, complete rock star. And also uh, their, their chief compliance officer. Do you say it's Jamie Jackson? Jamie Jackson, yeah, CCO. Is it a boy or girl? He's male. Yes. It's a male. So Jamie Jackson's also another uh, former studio head at Activision. So we got two Activision heads. Um, their chief product officer, Stephen Cunningham, is a former director of product management at Yahoo. And then their head of blockchain is Rudy Koch, who is a former uh, senior producer at a company that Rob's familiar with, Blizzard. Yeah, which I yeah. think is part of Activision now. Activision bought Blizzard really? a couple of years ago. Yeah. Activision Blizzard. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. Quite unfortunately. We got all these conglomerates but, uh, forming. We have Tencent now owns Rockstar, Take-Two, 2K, you know. Um, but, hey, yeah. Activision so who Blizzard. wants to give the background on Activision and Blizzard? Because this is a really big deal, but I don't know. If you didn't know who they were, it might not seem like as big of a deal. Who wants to take the ball on that one? I mean, Blizzard is obviously known for... I'll do the Blizzard okay. part if you want to do the Activision part, Pete. Yeah. So Blizzard is known for you know some pretty big games. Obviously, World of Warcraft is one as being the biggest MMORPG, massively multiplayer online role-playing game that's ever existed. They, of course, have the StarCraft franchise, um, Diablo franchise, and now they have Hearthstone and Overwatch, which has this huge tournament. So Blizzard has been somebody that's been there um, for a while, mostly in the PC gaming space, but now, of course, is, is moving to mobile and kind of diverting their efforts there. But I talked with Rudy, actually, in, in Telegram. He's very active in the Mythical Games Telegram. And we had a little discussion about what he worked on at World of Warcraft, and he did, Ooh. like, PvP and was working on um, class design and all kinds of stuff. So it was really cool to finally be able to talk to somebody that worked on a game that I've put 400-plus days of playtime into. So I hope, 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 hope that over the next couple of years, maybe they'll build, like, a... 
a World of Warcraft with um, tokenized items or, or some kind of player-owned economy. Sounds like the real deal. Yeah, and then, of course, Activision yeah. picked up Blizzard. Activision's a huge name. If you were in a PlayStation, they did the Tony Hawk. They did Spyro. You know, Roy recently, they did Destiny. They did Call of Duty. You know, all these, all these big series. And uh, for those of you non-gamers, they did Candy Crush Saga. <laughs> uh, but they made they made something like seven billion dollars in revenue uh, last year. Wow. They're the biggest game company uh, in terms of revenue in the Americas and Europe. Uh, wow! Huge, huge company. Lots of great experience. This team has years and years of experience with Activision and smaller studios. So I, I thought it was funny because a couple weeks ago, I think the episode we did right before the hackathon, Rob, we we kind of brought up those rumors from a couple months ago. Uh, yeah. You, uh, so I, I have it on my screen. I'll put it on everyone else's screen. But someone in Reddit, it, it says WorkCoin, which I'm pretty sure that's the team behind the EOS Lynx wallet. So Fred, if you're yeah, watching, is. <laughs> this is Fred's probably quote. He said, met today with a very impressive <laughs> game developer. And we could say with 100% confidence that Blizzard slash Activision quality games are headed to EOS blockchain within six months. Other blockchains, such as Hashgraph, etc., within 12 months. CryptoKitties may be the start, but Fortnite slash World of Warcraft on EOS with tradable, configurable assets, MMOGs, are coming in 2019. So that rumor was proven to be true. Yeah, who, who assuming that who they... I think well, we got to see what their first game is going to be. Obviously, they put out the the Blancos trailer, which I think it looks like you can basically create or buy some kind of unique uh, avatar, similar to how you'd buy a CryptoKitty, and then you battle it out. I guess you have a dance battle or something. They haven't really released what the game is about, but we know it's about dancing and unique characters, so... We'll see. So, so I, I have a little bit of game features in front of me. I'll read them for the people listening, and I'll put them on the screen for anyone uh, watching here on YouTube. Uh, it says, players will be able to collect and use all different types of Blanco characters, thanks to blockchain. Players will acquire block assets in various ways to help them build and play with their own block. Um, at each, So you're going to go to these block parties, and at each party, these Blanco's characters are going to interact with each other and influence each other, and they'll be able to buy and sell different items. Um, items will be bought and sold in marketplaces. Um, but oh, wow. It, uh, the interesting part is that uh, it says it offers a world of possibilities, not only for gamers, but also for content creators and professional artists or brands to experiment with their unique designs, skins, and characteristics. So basically, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a marketplace to allow uh, designers and artists to, to basically monetize their work through this in-game marketplace hmm. by buying and selling their digital items. Where be did... Where did you find that info, by the way? That's all new stuff that I haven't heard. But that's uh, exciting. So if you have the notes in front of you, I have some links in there. Yeah, that's a, that's. Yeah, from okay, cool. Yeah, I'll check release. it out. It, it's yeah. from one of the press wow. releases. I mean, every day a different press release is coming out, it seems like, with yeah. more and more details. So. Uh, yeah, I totally uh, missed that one. But that's exciting. It sounds like you might actually get a block. Maybe you get like a virtual piece of land that you can own and you have people come over to it. And it, that, that sort of expands the concept of the game a lot other than just having a dance battle. So I'm curious to see what it's going to be like next year. Yeah, so, next year is fast. 2019, even for a traditional game, that is ambitious. Yeah. And I, I wonder how long they've actually been working on this behind the scenes. It must have been a long time. But uh, this is that's really fast and it's fantastic news especially given current market conditions we're all looking for a little bit of uh, hopefulness definitely right? <laughs> well i think the most exciting part about all this also is that they said they're going to be announcing their full lineup of games so it sounds like we might actually get another announcement about another game before this one actually releases which would be pretty cool but they they also did mention they're building games on pc mac um 
mobile and console, which I thought was pretty crazy. Like imagine buying a console game, you're playing on your Xbox, your PS4 or whatever, and the items that you own are stored on the ES blockchain. I just think that's like, that's going to be so cool to see. Wow. So the, uh, the intro video I, I played earlier that talked, uh, let John Linden introduce himself. That video is from back in October, but apparently if reading through the comments, uh, or, or the link that I found that video from, he, he's been talking about blockchain since at least May. He's been like really hardcore talking about blockchain based stuff, but he's still with seismic games. So it was kind of a mystery to everyone who, who was interacting with him, what he had up his sleeve and it was finally announced. So I, I think we're going to see yeah. more information now that he doesn't have to keep everything under lock and key. And, uh, well, and that makes sense. I mean, that, that he would leave seismic games to pursue this because I'm betting that they didn't want to move forward with blockchain. I just watched a, like a 15 or 20 minute presentation that he gave at a, a conference, I think a day or two ago talking about like, you know, Activision, they're going to take a while to come along and join the blockchain space. They didn't even get into mobile until after Hearthstone got popular, like a, a decade later after mobile games were already hitting the mainstream. So maybe they didn't want to work on blockchain games and he really wanted to. So after the acquisition, he kind of left and said, Hey, I'm going to go build on EOS. From what I understand, it looks like uh, Mythical Games is working with all third-party gaming developers. So they're not actually developing any games themselves. They're just handling the kind of like the blockchain piece. Uh, really? So, yeah. Uh, that, that's uh, from what I've Wait, gathered. Wait, so they didn't... I don't know. I think Blankos was developed by them. I could be wrong, but... No, if someone wants to talk, I'll tell you who created it. It's just going to take me a second to find wow. the notes. Well, I mean, as of... As of about a month ago, there was a blockchain game alliance announced. I know Ubisoft joined. Ubisoft was uh, demoing some kind of game they created on Ethereum. I know, I know, I know. And uh, so there are <laughs> these larger developers are kind of looking at it. As you said, Rob, uh, they'll probably be a little slow to move into it. But uh, there is a little bit more interest. So it wouldn't surprise me. Have you found what you're looking for yet? I filled for you. No, I'm still looking. I, 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 yeah, I mean, we'll see. I, I, think I, biggest... I specifically read something that said that they're going to use a different game studio for like all their games they're coming out with. Like they're not a. I had seen in that keynote he did mention like, hey, this is something that we can take to an existing game and apply it to that just by tokenizing the items or adding some other kind of layer that's that's tokenized where you don't have to sort of build it from scratch with the you know the goal that it's going to run on a blockchain. So maybe that's what he was referencing, but maybe Blancos is also the case. We'll have to ask in their Telegram. Well, there's definitely things going on behind the scenes. Do you remember Hashcraft? Not Hashcraft, Hashcraft. No. Uh, Ubisoft, it was back in uh, maybe September. They suddenly unveiled this blockchain concept game that was kind of like Minecraft and No Man's Sky mixed. And the the new, better No Man's Sky, not the original, you know, terrible No Man's Sky. Um, and it was, it was on <laughs> Ethereum. And, you know, it wasn't really like we're going to create this game. It was it was a concept that they were, they were pushing. So... Um, Sony's moving towards blockchain on PlayStation Network to record actions and stuff like that. Uh, Epic Games has partnered with a blockchain firm, rumoredly. You know, so th there are other players coming in, and I'm glad to see Mythical has plans to move so quickly because there's going to be competition in the space. I found the information. It's called Third Kind Games. That's the independent game studio that they partnered with for Blankos. So I, oh, I think, I, I think okay. there's going to be more. Uh, I found another interesting article. I'm going to put all these articles in the uh, description so that everyone else could read. But uh, hearing John Linden, a quote where he talks about hiding complexity. So he says, another significant aspect of Mythical Games' approach is how it will present its blockchain features to gamers. The short answer is it won't. Partly this is because it's running on EOS, which has a very complex onboarding process in terms of setting up a wallet and staking EOS to gain access to the blockchain. But partly because Linden believes how any blockchain works is how how any blockchain works is irrelevant to the vast majority of users. He says, quote, 
they won't know it is a blockchain because we are running on EOS. We can stake for users and hide fees, he says. The platform's marketplace will also run using fiat currency, although power users will be able to peel away this abstraction and handle their own wallet keys if they want to. Perfect. So nice. This is a this, this is, is a concept that you about. talked about a lot. Yeah. I, yeah, because they could have the private key set up. So whenever you sign up for Blankos, what's what's the cost right now of setting up a wallet, Rob? Like fifty cents, a dollar? Uh, it's probably about a dollar now with the price at EOS, maybe less. So maybe sixty cents. <laughs> they could technically eat that cost up front and then charge the fee if you want to privatize your key. So we know how to switch an owner active key on EOS. It's it's a pretty simple process. So that's where they could actually charge you the money to, to, to recoup their $1 that they invested in your wallet up front is if you want oh, to take definitely. ownership of your act or your active key, they could just do an owner active key swap and g- give you your private key. And that's where they might charge you a dollar to, to recoup their costs. Or maybe they'll charge you $5. Who, who, who knows how the well, models think- are going to work? I think even beyond that, I mean, they could set it up where they don't even need to make an EOS account for you to start it off. Maybe they store like your items with 10,000 other people's items in one EOS account and they have in their own internal database, like a centralized database. Hey, this belongs to this person. This belongs to this person. And then if you want to, you can withdraw to your own wallet or maybe create one in the app. So I think they can probably avoid that fee altogether for the people that don't actually want to handle all their own stuff and just want it to act like a normal game. Right. So... Rob, let's let's backtrack a little bit. So this is really big news this week. Let, let's go back to last week into the hackathon. Why don't, why don't you tell us your perspective? Because Pete and I were kind of busy hacking away and coding. What was your yeah. experience like as a, a mentor at the hackathon? Oh, my God. It was crazy. First of all, huge shout out to all the people that came up to not only myself, but also Zach and introduced themselves and said, hey, we saw your videos. We saw, you know, we love watching everything EOS. It was just it's so cool not only to see, obviously, people talking about everything EOS in the comment section below this video, but also when you take it in person and you're sitting down and talking with people that watch your show on a weekly basis, it's just so humbling. So huge shout out to everybody that came up to us and said hello. Um, but it was a really incredible experience. I mean, there were 500 plus people trying to build dApps on EOS in the same building over that 26 ish hour period when you can actually hack the whole thing's about 36 hours. But I mean, the energy there in that place is just totally contagious. I was super excited and like ready to go the entire time. Um, but to, to sort of sum it all up, I think, over the course of the weekend, I met some incredibly smart people building some really cool stuff. And, and I think the, the winners were you know chosen correctly. They had some cool ones like NuGet that won first place for a decentralized GitHub. But uh, definitely an exhausting time as well. I know at the end of it, all the people that were hacking and all the people that were mentoring like I was um, were just totally spent. So <laughs> even on Monday, though, we, we oh still managed God. to get up and, and go to the Scaling Blockchain Conference. And I did a keynote speech there and a panel. And we did an Everything EOS episode there. So... It was still cool, and we sort of squeezed that last bit of energy out of ourselves, I think, to make it happen. But I can't wait for next year and all the hackathons. I just want to put it on the record. So I I just released my final scaling blockchain video last night, which was Monday. I just want to let everyone know for the record that I almost died doing those podcasts. I risked (laughs) my life. So I don't don't think I've ever mentioned on the show before, but I'm I'm type 1 diabetic. So like I got to take insulin with all my meals. I've got this like Bluetooth thing on my arm. It's like constantly sending like my blood sugars to my phone. Like I'm I'm like in my element, I'm doing these podcasts and my my phone's just going crazy because it's a medical device whenever it's talking about like whenever it's telling me I have a low blood sugar. But I'm like in this podcast, I'm like, I'll be done soon. I just I literally I I had to cut it out of the video so you didn't see, but I tossed my phone like 30 feet away from myself so you couldn't hear (laughs) the alarm going off. 
<laughs> so not only did I like get no sleep, so the hackathon started about 8 a.m. like check in on Saturday. So I was there by 8 a.m. on Saturday. We did not sleep more than two hours throughout the night on Saturday night. Then all through Sunday, we're, we're, we're finishing up our pitch, working on our project. And then Sunday night, right after the hackathon, Pete and I uh, went to all the different social events. We ended up meeting up with Mike Novogratz and SVK Crypto and all, all kinds of other cool people that we couldn't even dream of meeting like prior to this. Yeah. So we didn't get much sleep uh, Sunday night, got in late, and then straight into Monday morning, got to be at the conference at 8 a.m., start recording podcasts. It was it, it was a marathon. What, what was your experience was like, Pete? Oh, man, same thing. It was I'm, I'm, I guess, a newer to the EOS community. haven't been around as long as you guys. But uh, And while you were making memes there at the hackathon, <laughs> I was, trying I was actually writing media. code in C++. <laughs> Zach yeah. was coding over there in Photoshop. Yeah, I, I walked, I walked oh by God. your table. I can totally vouch that because I walked by your table one time, and I see a photo of Dan, and you oh have like God. a championship belt, and you Photoshop it. And I was like, how is this relevant to what you guys are building? Uh, so my, my plan for the hackathon was I, I didn't know what our chances were of winning the hackathon i got more bullish on winning towards the end and pete could sort of t tell then a story about our pitch late, yeah but it's a cool my, story my whole plan was to win the three thousand dollar best social media post like we made this really good like highlight video uh which i could even maybe oh, yeah, play well yeah I'll, I'll put it up while i'm talking here so you could you could watch the highlights while i talk but I, we made this really cool video it was like a team effort evan uh schindler who was also on our team he helped uh he mostly did all the editing for that and I posted that, and I thought that was going to be enough to win. But the girl who ended up did win, the girl who won, she did an amazing job. So she kicked my ass, like, outright. But I was getting desperate at the end. So we're in, like, the one last hour of the contest. I'm like, I need, I need, I need more engagement. I need more posts. So I start making memes and posting them to the EOS Hackathon uh, hashtag, just trying desperately to do whatever I could to win. You were crafting after the deadline. I had to remind you that the deadline was 1 p.m. I was like, Jack, it's over. It's I was, over. Stop. I was, I was so Stop. Embarrassed. Put the memes away. I was... <laughs> So, so Pete, why don't you talk about our pitch? Because it was really cool. We actually got to pitch to Mike Novogratz. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this yeah, is such a cool story. Brian from ESVC was there, too, and a mentor that I, that I didn't recognize. But uh, we pitched him our product, which has to do with game marketplaces, exactly what we were talking about. We came up with a way to incentivize content creators to make more content because they make money off it when it sells, and to incentivize players to buy cool items, use cool items, play well with cool items. We thought it was a, a pretty cool project. Uh, our UI guy, shout out to Ben, who's not not in from anywhere around here. He stayed overnight. I wrote the contract. Zach made all the memes we didn't use in the presentation. And uh, Evan put our pitch together, uh, threw a pitch, hardball at Mike Novogratz. Um, reportedly, he gave us a great score. He told us afterwards he uh, wanted to see us up there. But, you know, with the, with the other judges and the way the scores worked out, it, it didn't work out. Uh, but, uh, you know, I... It was great to meet Mike. I, I had I had a. Why don't we throw up, Why don't we throw up the picture of you oh, yeah, with yeah, Mike? So, up, so sure, Rob's sure. got a picture with nice. uh, Dan, but but yeah. uh, Pete, Pete's got one with Novogratz. Yeah, yeah, and I don't know what that that's jacket awesome. Is. The Nova like, Bowl. I, I kind of I kind the of bowl. hate love that jacket. What do you think about that jacket? Yeah, Rob, did you see his jacket? <laughs> oh yeah, I thought well, it was great. I went up and yeah, I said hello to him in like the the happy hour after and and just said, hey, you know, I wanted to know if uh, the deals they were doing were equity deals or token deals, and he like explained that. He said. Uh, 
high fidelity was equity and I think Everpedia was like a mix of tokens and equity. Um, but beyond that, I was like, hey, by the way, we have a podcast, Everything EOS, and and uh, my friend Zach always calls you Mike Novable, and he like laughed, and then I walked away, but he was awesome. He had like these white pants with a red stripe down the side and this crazy like pattern jacket. It was cool. Yeah, I mean, in this picture, I'm explaining to him that uh, my crypto kitty, my prize crypto kitty was Mike Novacats. And uh, it, was, it wasn't super valuable, maybe Generation 5 or 9 or something. And uh, I right. just told him it just sold. I just sold it a few weeks before this picture for $3. <laughs> nice. Hey, that's it, good. It, it was yeah, interesting, was... too, because when we were talking to Novogratz, like I was telling him about the podcast, and I, I talked to him after you talked to him, so I don't know if you even remembered. But yeah. we're, we were talking about VR and games and how we think a lot of these blockchain-based use cases are going to be seen first in, in the gaming mm-hmm, industry mm-hmm. and then in real life afterwards and he was this close to to telling me some secrets about some upcoming investments he said i'm pretty sure he said oh there's wow two upcoming investments within the next couple of weeks so we saw this activision one uh so, like this so, is one yeah so that's one so i i think we could expect the second one to come out here soon but he almost told me about one of them probably the one that just got announced uh, this That's week, crazy. but he almost told me a few days early, and I felt like a super secret insider. But he 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 stopped himself. <laughs> I, I wouldn't have had such self control because I would have been like uh, the probably dozen other people that came up to us and told us all about their secrets that haven't been announced yet that I can't talk about on the right, show. Exactly. <laughs> so what yeah, are those stories? Crazy. There are a lot of people there that are building building external DApps on ES. I mean, the oh, you go ahead, tell a story. I don't. You tell you a, story, a story, Rob. Pete? Every, you're the superstar, Rob. Yeah, Rob, I mean, Rob, honestly, what was mentoring like what was mentoring like? Tell us about that. We didn't mentor. Mentoring was cool. I mean, I was like, so my whole goal was like, oh, I'm going for a most valuable mentor. So at the end, when they announce all the hackathon winners, there's also a prize for one of the mentors. I think it's like a Nintendo Switch or something. Um, Jay Chung from HKEOS did win it. So huge shout out to Jay. If, if anybody was going to beat me at it, it had to be Jay. But so the first day I was like, oh, yeah, let's go. Let's go. Like super high energy and going around all the tables. And then that night I went back and got like. I don't know, six or seven hours of sleep, fortunately, and came back in the morning and I was just like really feeling it. Like I'm not used to, first of all, socializing for 15 hours a day and talking to people for that long, <laughs> but I'm not really used to doing anything for 15 hours a but, day. But come on, Rob. So what? it was just draining. And then the second day I was a little. We, we talked about this. Didn't, didn't you feel like the pretty girl at the dance? That everyone wanted to dance with. Oh, everyone definitely. Yeah. It was so crazy. Like so many people, so many people came up and recognized me and were like, "Hey, I love your videos. Hey, everything EOS." Like whatever it was. So it, it was really cool to just meet the community out on the ground. But you, you honestly, another story. Talk about da- you, you. Your hotel room. Was- oh, we, oh my god, I forgot. I almost forgot. <laughs> okay, so all of the mentors, all of the mentors stayed at this one hotel, right? Like that's where Block One put them all up. I had joined very late, thanks to SVK Crypto for getting me in as a mentor at the last second. But because of that, I wasn't like. Block One didn't pay for my hotel or my flight or anything like that. Like they paid for the other mentor. So I got a hotel totally separate from where all the mentors were staying. And it turns out it was the same <laughs> hotel where Dan and Rob Jacitizen um, and all of these other Block One people were staying. So the first day I got there, I'm going up. I had just gone out to get to look for one of the masks because the air quality was so bad and I got a drink or something. And I came back up to my room and I'm about to open the door and I like put my key card on the door and I look to my left and I'm like, okay, there's two people like hugging. It was like a man and a woman are standing next to each other. And I was like, oh my God, that's Dan Larimer. And I was like, Dan. And I went up and shook his hand and it was him and his wife. And I was like, I'm sorry, I don't want to bother you. I was I was not expecting to see him there. I was waiting like at the hackathon, like, oh, I'll have something like prepared to say. So it, it caught me totally off guard. And I was like flustered, like, hey, I'm with Cypherglass, blah, blah, blah. And I don't think it came across very well. And then I like tried to go into the wrong hotel room to get back into my room. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> he's not like, working. Starstruck. Yeah, I was like, oh god. And he's then thinking I'm like following him or something. But anyway, so I bumped I love, into him. As with long as you weren't trying to go into his room. Right, exactly. Now he was down the hall a couple doors. It was but, the uh, weirdest then I... thing at the hackathon. Like Dan was like Jesus there. Like oh, he okay. he couldn't go anywhere without there being a line. That's why I don't have a picture with Dan Larimer. Is because I felt so awkward waiting in line to meet this man. <laughs> he was just like a regular person. <laughs> oh yeah, like but he. Yeah, a huge shout out to Dan though for actually coming out and and because it's much harder for him to stand in line and answer the same questions over and over and have people take photo like it's he has the 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 bad end of that so yeah. thanks to him for for allowing me to take a photo and all these other people but then I also bumped into Rob Jacitizen the I think he's the CFO of Block One and he had a Block he's One shirt Aust- on in the he's el- the Australian right? guy I think he's president maybe he's the Australian banker guy right. Right from uh, Jeffries, I think it was. Yeah, I, I think so. I, he so he took he a weird there. selfie at our table. I, I, I have you seen that online yet? I haven't found I it. He was the guy that stood behind us and like made us like pretend we were working. Oh yeah, because well, I was working. <laughs> you know, I mean, I was sitting there working. <laughs> I uh, was <laughs> memeing. <laughs> he was like, "Yeah, take the meme off the screen so I can take this photo." Yeah, well, we're, we're gonna, gonna give a shout out to Mark too, actually. actually. Mark? We, oh yeah, yeah, Mark uh, was the other guy who was on our team. Ben, ben was the one coding the front end, allowing me to just BS and meme with everyone. <laughs> Mark helped nice. out with the concept and the pitch and, and things like that and some concepts. So what was your interaction with uh, Rob? It was good. I uh, I shook his hand. I was like, hey, I'm also Rob. Like, you're with Block One, right? I was like, oh, Rob, just citizen. When he said Rob, I like, mm-hmm. it clicked who he was. And I was like, you know, hey, it's cool. I'll be at the hackathon. Just like a little bit of small talk. And then he got out of the elevator. But he seemed like a really nice dude. He was like, his face lit up when he realized like I was part of the EOS hackathon also. So he seems genuinely excited to be there. And same with pretty much all the block when people seemed like super excited to be at the event. And, and, to, and I mean, everyone was really excited to be at that event. You know, it's, yeah. if, if you're in the EOS community or even the crypto community and you're considering going to conferences or events, I'd strongly recommend hackathons. Even if you don't really hack a lot, even if you're an ideas person or a media person or just want to, you know, meet the community, this was the most shill free <laughs> hackathon Absolutely. I've ever been to. You Everybody's know, chilling on the of, same team. Uh, uh, yeah. Most of the Look conferences. Most of the conferences. Ooh, had to go get this. Yeah, sweet, right? Oh, you, yeah, you this amazing merch. Oh, we yeah. Got all the merch. Speaking of merch, so merch. we we talked about uh, t-shirts and shill uh, right before the uh, ah, hackathon. Yeah. So I'm rocking my EOS Blocksmith t-shirt. Thank you, EOS Blocksmith. And EOS, <laughs> think outside the block. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Stand up. All right, standing up. Got the Shios t-shirt on Pete nice. here. Uh, we got the Patagonias. Got the, hold on, hold on. We got the EOS. We got an EOS logo in there. Oh yeah, well, I got a Biddle I don't know shirt. If you can see it. Or, Always repping. I got a Biddle shirt. I I bargained with somebody. Said that they would get on the podcast, but then I forgot who their what their project is. Yeah, so Rob, I on the podcast. Sorry. Rob, we've got lots of T-shirts on the way. I got messaged on Telegram by so many people that said they didn't have a shirt at the hackathon. They got my address. Oh, nice. so I, 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 I told them all you were large. They'll be coming to me. We got a CPU emergency coming. We got uh, Cypherglass nice. shirts. Aloha no, EOS. Don't. I'm still waiting on my <laughs> Cypherglass shirt, Rob. Oh, it's coming. We're waiting to. We're getting a good one for you. You know, we don't don't just want to give you any Cypherglass shirt. It has oh, to be. I want like know, a nice font. flannel comforter for my bed with Cypherglass logos on it. Oh. It could have like my face, sort of like in a pattern with the logo. Oh my god, a, p- a pillow cover with Rob's face. <laughs> yeah, you exactly. would do Dan's You flip face it over, though. and Dan is on the other side. Oh god. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you my go. my wife would divorce me. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. But yeah, it was a it was a cool event all around. I mean, if you have a chance to get to a hackathon next year, and I went up to uh, 
Brian, not not Brian Mailer from USBC, but the guy from Angel Hack, and I was like, so are they doing these next year? And he was like about to answer, and then he was like, I can't say anything until it's public. Uh, but I can't imagine with the reception that Block One got, with all the projects that came out of it, I can't imagine them not doing this next year. So if you think we had about six months of hackathons this year and had uh, four different hackathons. So next year, I would bet we see six to eight, maybe ten hackathons in all different places around the world, and I'm going to try to go to a lot of them. And I would love it, it to be a, cool as experience. many as possible. And just like we did the live podcasting at the scaling blockchain, I, th- I think it's uh, worth investigating to see if Block One will let us uh, set up a podcasting area at the hackathon. I don't know if they'll go for Ooh. that or not. But, but then I, how will you that's make cool memes, Zach? I don't need to make memes if I'm making great content that could yeah, educate the world about ESIO. <laughs> I, I made some contacts with yeah. Block One, so I do have a few people I could ping to see if uh, this is even something in the realm of possibility. But uh, if anyone thinks it's a good idea, leave some comments. That'd be nice. Something, uh, something I want to mention also of uh, my experience with Block One at the hackathon is it seems they're really, really listening to the community. So I sat down with a guy for probably 10 or 15 minutes who was like a UX researcher talking about, you know, what would help developers get in the ecosystem? What would help me? What are the favorite laws I've used so far? Um, and, and really, it seems like they're focused more on releasing a complete like a feature complete wallet that you could have you know an exchange and a way to make a wallet easily and all these things built into that ios wallet we've been talking about Mm -hmm. rather than an mvp so i went and i got a a demo from greg actually at the event of the hardware wallet finally and of course i'm sure it'll change it'll change dramatically i'm sure from where it starts but it was very simple look you know very similar to eos links but the cool part was that he showed me signing a transaction with his face so live on the eos blockchain he sent a transaction to somebody else using his face, which was basically accessing the keys in a secure enclave. Now, he did mention there are some interesting things that they sort of have to solve. So because the secure enclave in your iPhone is so secure, if you lose your phone, it's gone. Like you just lost your keys too. There's no recovery (laughs) seed. There's nothing like that. So they need to build some kind of function into that where maybe you recover with a friend or you do something else. What about the account recovery feature on EOS? Wouldn't that kind of... I think that that might be possible. That's something I think still has to be implemented, but they could totally put something like that out and then release the wallet. But the the interesting thing was um, he had mentioned he had a conversation with Brendan Bloomer, I guess, and their initial plan was to just put out an MVP, like, let's get this wallet out as soon as possible. Let's get it to market and we'll iterate from there. And I think that has shifted a little bit where they're going, okay, there are plenty of MVP wallets out there that all do the same thing. Instead of doing that, Let's make sure that when the Block One EOS wallet comes out, it's the best feature complete wallet you can get that interacts with other dApps and you can do everything on your phone. So he mentioned they did solve an issue where, you know, if you want to sign a transaction on EOS Nights, for example, if I'm using the Meet One app to do so, it pops me out of the EOS Nights app and I have to sign the transaction in Meet One and then it pulls me back. But they Ooh. figured out a way to sort of make all of that happen within the same app you're using. Um, so it, it seems like there's going to be some big UX improvements there. By the way, what, what floor have you gotten to, Rob? What's oh, 420. Oh, 420. Oh. <laughs> I'm not even in the triple digits yet. Man, oh, and I almost, sold. Oh, my God. I sold. Epic items. <laughs> I crafted an Excalibur, which is, I think, like an ancient item or something, and it sold for 50 EOS. It cost me like 30 EOS to make, and I figured, oh, like if it doesn't sell, I'll just use it for my character once I hit level 12 or whatever. And I put it up for sale, and it sold for 50 EOS. Wow. So EOS Knights has a ton of volume going through it. It's pretty crazy. So I, we can't name names, but there were some other uh, prominent members of the community, and this is speculation on their end too, but they were predicting, and Rob, I think you, you heard the same rumors that Block One might be working on a browser? Yeah, it's interesting. I don't know, like, yeah, is I it going to be an app browser, or is it like a browser where you can go to a website, and then, you know, similar to Brave that it's built in? I don't know, but I think 
whatever that browser is, which I personally think is a DAP browser, it will probably be built into that wallet so that, hey, all I need to do to get into the EOS ecosystem, download this free wallet, make a free account, and boom, you can now play, you know, at that point, hundreds, maybe thousands of DAPs that exist. I can't wait. I'm sure I think of other other cool stuff that happened. One of the topics of discussion that was at this hackathon, everyone was talking about it, that Chinese media group, Rob, I know you interviewed with them, I did too. Yeah. Uh, a lot of block producers that are making waves, kind of new new guys like Aurora, they had presentations on ECAF, the arbitration ban forum, E-caf. right? Yeah, and there was a Reference. ban ECAF <laughs> going on, E-caf. right? And uh, th- that was the that was the big topic making waves there. Other than hackathon, on the whole, people just came together and regardless of their disputes, they built projects. They were excited about each other's projects. Seriously, guys, go to the hackathons if you want to go to crypto events. But uh, you know, on the side, when people felt a little more, less bullish, they talked about ECAF. And what are your guys' thoughts? Have you talked about it on the show? What do you so what do you think I'm about ECAF? so we just I just put out the podcast with uh, Miles Snyder and Kevin Rose from Aurora BP Aurora listen. EOS oh, nice. and EOS New York, and that was the, I think the first time that they both publicly stated they are against ECAF at this point. As far as a base yeah. layer arbitration. They're against that. And we are kind of all in agreement that as soon as referendum is ready, someone's going to propose a removal of Article 9, which gives ECAF their authority. And it seems like, at least between the two of them, and then they kind of convinced me that I, I'm, at this point, I'm, I'm against ECAF also. How about you, Rob? 100%. Yeah, I am as well. And it's it's so interesting how ECAF even got into to power. Like it's this weird origin story of like, how were these people chosen? Like totally unelected members, very similar to the SEC, just unelected people that nobody has any control over, you know, what they're doing, but they happen to, to sort of govern over the EOS community. And the crazy thing to me that stuck out at the hackathon and at scaling blockchain was that talking to people about it, there was not one person I talked to that was in favor of it, but pretty much everybody I talked to that was against it said that they were afraid to come out and say something against it for whatever reason. So it's something where I'm, I'm actually putting out a video on it this week, basically our stance that we are also against it. And if you look at the, the current EOS constitution, technically it hasn't been ratified. It's a placeholder constitution. So technically ECAF doesn't have any power. And I think a lot of the proxies now, including Ash Oro at Freedom Proxy, are looking at BPs and saying, hey, we're not going to vote for you if you continue to you know, implement these ECAF orders. So I think even without that article being removed explicitly, I think they're sort of losing power already, which is a very good thing because they're sort of this centralized point of failure I'm, in the network. I'm all for on-chain arbitration, just not oh, at the base layer and opt-in And it in needs to be only. opt-in. Exactly. That's it has to be opt-in. That's the only way you could have permanent transactions when, and knowing that they're immutable is if there, there's no way to reverse it on, on the base layer. Now, if you want to check a box every time you sign something and opt into an arbitration layer, that that's great. I, I think that's more than necessary. I think there should be multiple ECAFs handling that layer of arbitration. But on the base layer only, I am against ECAF. Right. Absolutely. I don't think any arbitration on the base layer is bad. You need a, a free market for arbitrators where if I want and only if I want, I can go out and have somebody arbitrate over my smart contract or my business deal or whatever it might be. I think this is a particularly important moment in EOS's development, this constitution ECAF controversy, because one of the major objections that other chains, proponents of other chains have is that, well, if I had a transaction on EOS, it could just get reversed by somebody, you know, taking yeah. over some block producer or whatever. If we handle that on the base layer, then that'll just remove that objection and really increase, I think, EOS's reputation among the broader crypto community. It's important. Absolutely. To handle, and it's important to handle now before the, the system gets too big for us to make changes easily, you know. 
Well, and even, I mean, that's another point about ECAF is that when the system gets that big, it, it doesn't scale. It doesn't right. scale with one arbitrator, with people who aren't yeah. even formally trained in arbitration, who don't have a budget, who don't have a real business model. And a point that Ash Ora made on Twitter was that these arbitrators, when they actually exist in the free market, they need to have a business model. They don't yeah. need to run on donations. They need to be able to make money, whether it's, hey, I'll help you recover your account, prove the owner is yours, and you give me 10% of that, because because having 90% is better than 0%, or maybe it's something else. But they can't be, in my opinion, charities that are just draining money, especially not inflation, out of the ES ecosystem. That, that was kind of one of our uh, topic, topics of conversation with uh, Kevin Rose and Miles Snyder was basically, I was asking, like, how, how are they funded? And they explained to me how they're funded whenever they solve the case. They get a, like a percentage of the, the ruling. But Wait, they do that now? I'm, I'm pretty sure one of them, oh, wow. that's how they explained it. Like, this is, like, we're in no the ecosystem and we don't really even understand that much about ECAF. Yeah. Like, we that's what's exp- crazy is yeah. ECAF to me feels it's like, and maybe hole. this is like, Maybe this is too conspiratorial, but it, it feels like something like five years from now, if it didn't get removed, people would be like, oh, that's how the NSA or the government or whatever infiltrated EOS. <laughs> they set up ECAF at the beginning and nobody actually fought it. Like, it's I just amazing that, that, you know, go ahead. I love how you call ECAF like the SEC. You, you said it's kind of like the SEC. It's just a point, you know, it wasn't really. Yeah, they're just unelected. I think, I think <laughs> yeah. that you win the battle right there with that language. Just call ECAF the SEC and people will be against it. <laughs> they totally are. I mean, they govern, they can basically govern what you do and don't do on the network. You know, hey, we're going to help this person recover their keys, but how do we really know it's that? And, and I think a lot of the stuff they've done so far has been good where they have cryptographic proof that this guy owned the Ethereum address associated with the EOS account so they can freeze it and eventually help that guy get his funds. But number one, that's not scalable. Number two, it's done way more harm than the good. It's helped those, you know, 10 people get their EOS back. Um, but it, there's, there's definitely a better way, and, and ECAF is not the way to go about that. So, so moving along away from ECAF, but into more FUD we could talk about. It was interesting. <laughs> yeah. We'll back up to the hackathon. So after the hackathon the evening of uh, Sunday night, we all three of us went to the Airdrops DAC Mix and Mingle, mm-hmm. which oh, happened yeah. to have some controversy, uh, I think, last week. Well, we met with a couple other podcasters. You got that photo. Of yeah. Us, uh, well, they Rob, actually, do you want to explain the Airdrops DAC uh, private key hack thingy madoodle? Yeah, so oh, what basically happened was that the, the two first clients of Airdrops DAC, which were Higher Vibes and uh, ZKS, so HVT and ZKS, um, in order to actually claim the tokens and get them issued to you, you need to go and claim them on EOS Toolkit. Um, and basically what happened was somebody found a bug in that claim process where they could just issue you know, sort of an unlimited amount of tokens to themselves for free. Um, but when they found out about this, you know, they, they were able to reclaim a lot of those tokens because they were made with airdrop stack RAM. So that was a convenient feature where they got basically all of the tokens back other than 2,500 US worth. But the controversy arose when somebody found out that the account that did the exploit was created by an account of a BP. And it was uh, EOSIO Singapore, EOSIO SG on the chain. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were in some way, you know, in creating an account, having a parent account that created another account doesn't mean you own that account. There are a lot of instances where a friend makes an account for you or some account service does it. Um, but it, it was a little suspicious. And they, of course, came out and then said, hey, our keys were compromised. You know, it wasn't us. They were compromised. Somebody else got it. Either way, yeah. whether your keys were compromised or your keys weren't compromised and you did the hack, that's not good for a block producer. No. That number one, you can't keep control of your keys or number two, you're stealing from people on the network. So either way, it was a horrible situation and it's kind of crazy that they're still in the top 21, but I don't think that'll really change until we have higher yeah, voter turnout. I don't, I don't know the whole story, but it seemed like they both had, so so the, the Singapore EOS guys and the Airdrop Stack guys or one of the third parties that Airdrop Stack was working with, they both had private keys leak in their repo somehow. 
So it, oh it's, yeah, it, the AirDrop Stack one was on their GitHub. Yeah, so yeah, it, it's kind of like negligence on both sides. I, I mean, I don't know who's right and who's wrong in this situation. I don't know enough about it, but man, it, it stirred up some controversy, and I, I just I hope the Singapore guys are innocent. But at the same time, like I'm very yeah. very skeptical of that because it seems kind of kind of shady. It was a weird. The whole thing was weird because they could have easily come out and said they were testing the contract, which is what I thought at first when I saw it. Like, oh, you know, they're a BP, they're doing a good service, they're they're looking for exploits so that then they can tell people how to fix them. But then when all those tokens went to Binance, the EOS that they had sold on a oh, on a DEX man. and they sent the EOS to Binance, it was like, oh, wait a minute, they're not doing this for the good of the community. They're doing this to make that 2,500 <laughs> EOS. It's like, it just blows my mind. Like for only 2,500 EOS, I understand that's a lot of money. Like that's, well, now it's a little bit less. That's 10 or 12 grand. Um, but to, to put your whole reputation as a block producer on the line for for twelve thousand dollars just seems so short sighted. It, it, it's really crazy to me. But I do need to mention though with Airdrop Stack, I I spoke with Blue Jays on Telegram about the exploit, and they've since went in and patched it. And I do think that their model will be very very successful in the future, where they can you know basically lease RAM to Airdrops for a fraction of the cost, and it's a claim only thing. And I think it will be successful. But I'm glad they got the bug fixed now, yeah. rather than you know a year from now when 100 or 200 or 300 projects could be affected. Yeah, I, I love the concepts behind uh, the concept behind Airdrops DAC. So the problem they're solving is, and it might not be as big of a problem now with the token price where it's at and the the RAM markets uh, settled down a little bit. But basically, it allow it's similar to how you could lease CPU using Shintai or in the future Rex. It's similar to that where you're essentially leasing RAM from a, a, a decentralized organization uh, that has a lot of RAM, and you could run an airdrop for significantly less money rather than having to put up twenty to thirty grand, might be like ten grand now, but that's still a significant amount of money to buy RAM just to airdrop your tokens to the community. So airdrops DAC will handle the the own, the ownership of that RAM and the the uh, distribution of those airdrop tokens for a, a nominal fee to the um, I, I guess the project doing the airdrop. So so it's yeah, I'm they basically do it at a. They basically do it at a third of the cost of what it would cost you now. But what's interesting is they also apparently have a VC arm attached to them. So if you're a project where you need seed funding, you need to find developers to build your idea and you want them to do it all, you can actually go to Airdrop Stack and they'll give you seed funding and they'll help you find developers. They'll help you do the airdrop. They'll really help you with the whole process. So I think we'll see a lot of projects that are not just airdrops come out of there, but also projects that were seed funded thanks to EOS Stack and their VC partner. So it's pretty cool that, you know, more of these funds are popping up that aren't even EOS VC funds. That's awesome. And I, I noticed, too, that uh, on, on that um, Galaxy Digital investment into um, the mythical games, another one of the VCs yeah. on that was OKCoin, who all, is the, also the owner of OK mm. Blockchain Capital. And we they're a not an EOS VC, but they made an announcement back in like May or April about a $100 million EOS yeah. development fund. $100 million yes. of their own money OK going into Chain Capital, Apps. who is Crazy. a subsidiary of OKCoin. So we'll, we'll see what comes out of that. Well, of OKX, the exchange. Yeah, so OKCoin, OKX, OK Blockchain Capital. They're all kind of under the same umbrella. Yep. But OK Blockchain right, exactly. Capital is the one who put out the press release announcing the $100 million of their own money. Yeah, to, to that's so like companies. It's, 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 I remember when we saw that, we were thinking, oh, this must be ESVC. Surely they didn't put up $100 million of their own. And it was like, oh, no, wow, like that's their own money. They believe in EOS that much. So there's a lot of stuff happening behind the scenes. And we're going to see, we've been talking about gaming. We're going to see a massive shift in gaming. And just to, to tell you about the numbers here, Fortnite's earned a billion dollars from in-game virtual purchases. <laughs> and the gaming collectibles wow. market 
is something like a hundred billion dollars or projected to be a hundred billion dollars over the, you know, in the next year or so there is a massive market here and that's a hundred billion dollars of goods that's owned by developers in such a way that like, maybe they'll shut down, maybe they'll change your items up. Maybe they'll, they'll, you know, go bankrupt or whatever. And you just lose everything. Uh, they control the supply. They control absolutely everything about it. That's fine. It's their game, but maybe there's a better way. We're exploring better ways. And I really think that, uh, Gaming is the inroad here. And I know you guys agree with me there. To I the totally point agree. Where you One. thought that gaming was going to be the theme at the hackathon. I mean, it was for our team. It was for yeah. our team, yeah. <laughs> we, we had to pick well, my look at, I'm looking for his name and I can't find it. I think it starts with an S, but the, the, the guy who I think is the CMO, Chief Marketing Officer at Block One, tweeted today basically saying that gaming is the way that blockchains will reach mass adoption. And, and that's why, that's exactly you know, through USBC, they funded too. mythical games. Exactly. It's like I, they've been listening. <laughs> yeah. I, I've got a Mike Novogratz quote right in front of me from one of the press release, one of the many press releases that came out this past week. He says, quote, Mike Novogratz, we believe that gaming and specifically players' interaction with in-game economies and virtual goods will play a key role in how the masses first discover the true potential of the blockchain. So yeah. it, it's exactly I mean, what we've been saying. Like We're going to see this user adoption in a virtual world well before in the real world we see the mainstream adoption that we expect in the next 10 to oh, 20 absolutely. years. Well, and if you think about it, it makes a ton of sense because who right now values digital items? If you could you know, name a group of people in the world that values digital items, it's gamers. I mean, these are people that, whether it was buying gold on a website like you did with Madden coins a while ago, that, that was a digital <laughs> item that you game. valued. Yeah, well, and even with items in games right now that you can't get any kind of monetary value out of, you know, those items have a value to the gamers. So these are people that are already know that digital things can have value, that digital things can be unique. They're already sort of primed and ready to accept this. And then when you add you know, a blockchain to that and you say, hey, now you own the items, you can make the items, you can make money from the items, all these different things. I mean, the, the billions of people worldwide that play games are going to yeah. jump on top of this I mean, and it's just going to be wild. And I think that's that's only the beginning. I don't mean to cut you off, but I think that's that's really only the beginning because we can test economies. We can test how these, these tokenized economies will work in games yeah. and then apply them to other real world, if I can call them that, industries. Absolutely. Where we take the lessons we learned from the virtual world and apply them to the real world, especially with AR and, and advancements like that. Like imagine you're playing like a, a a car game or something where, and this isn't something that's non-existent, but like there's there's a part of the game where it allows you to like modify different pieces of your car, maybe custom like draw decals for your car. Imagine if you you're able to like just create like your own spoiler for your own car where it's very unique because you created the entire thing from scratch, and then another player in that game is able to look at that spoiler and say, "I like that. How could I buy that off of you?" and be able to buy that off of you for real money. Like, like yeah. that, that's where we're going here is you own what you create and you could transfer that asset to anyone in the world in a, in a trustless yeah. way. Well, and this has been a huge problem. When we talk about blockchains, it's always like, hey, you know, get rid of the middleman. We don't need centralized control ruining people's lives. And, and generally we look at examples like, you know, real estate in, in developing countries where the, the ledger that says who owns what property is frequently corrupted and they steal people's land. But the same thing happens in virtual games. If you look at Second Life, they, they called, and John Linden is actually not associated with the Linden dollar. I thought the same Life. thing. It's, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, it's the Second Life guy. Oh, no, no, it's not. It's somebody else. But anyway, um, they had what were called acts of Linden, where the game developer, Linden, would come in, Linden Labs, and make a change to the game that would lose people real money. And I think they actually got sued in, in the process of doing this. Same thing has happened in World of Warcraft. You know, if you do one thing, if you're 
out of the bounds of the game and the GM doesn't like it, they can ban you. And all of those items, all of the work you put into that is now gone because they control it. But if you give that control back to the gamers, you're going to see things like you could have a fork in World of Warcraft where Blizzard comes out with one patch and says, hey, we're going to do this thing. And the community says, no, 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 we're going to do this other thing. Instead, we're going to fork the game into two separate worlds. So like the the possibilities here are are going to be insane what we're going to see with gaming uh, on blockchain. And now, of course, on EOS. And I do have to mention... Um, one of them confirmed in the Mythical Games Telegram that they are planning on building on the EOS mainnet. So that is, Ooh. you know, makes the news even more exciting. So I, I think what we're going to see here with the mainnet is we're, we're seeing all these companies popping up or projects popping up who are going to be building on the mainnet. We're, we're going to be cheering for transaction volume because once the Rex is implemented and you're staking to the Rex, your income from the Rex is going to be tied to the number of transactions on the network. So you want the transactions to be really cheap because that's advantageous to the developers. So the only way to make money if the transactions are really cheap is to have a lot of transactions. Yep. And that that's what these games are going to bring. We need millions of transactions per day yeah. for real revenue well, to be distributed amongst the token holders on the Rex. I think Rex will give us a real sort of a, a clear indication of what the current gaming demand actually is like on EOS. Because if you notice, anytime a CPU bump increases and you know suddenly people who have less EOS staked on their account can play again, we see things like a 20% or a 30% jump in the daily active users of EOS Knights. You see these big moves up in terms of daily active users on EOS dApps when suddenly CPU is now cheaper, when it's, you know, you need less EOS stake to transact. So once Rex comes out and, you know, I can go in and lease a bunch of EOS for 10 cents and make plenty of transactions, I think that number, all of those numbers across all the games are going to go much, much higher because now the people on the lower end of that spectrum who may have 5, 10, 15 EOS staked can now play as much as they want. So I, I can't wait. It's going to yeah, be so awesome. And it's frustrating on the game developer side too. Pete, why don't you explain some of your issues you're running into just making some like kind of hobbyist games at this point on the issues you've run into with the resource costs. Yeah, I mean, oh, well, what I was talking about earlier was actually EOS Knights. You know, I had all my EOS uh, staked somewhere and didn't stake it to my active account. And uh, I, I was like, you know what, maybe 50 EOS will be good. So I, I unstaked 50 EOS and staked it to an active account and played EOS Knights with it. And still I'd run into occasional, you know, problems where the network got congested. You know, insane. I had to stake more. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, and, and it's it, not it even... really comes, it comes out, it hits you fast. Suddenly you have enough for like 10,000 transactions and then suddenly you don't have enough, you know, to, yeah. to repair your item or whatever. And I know we'll fix it's... this. And this is, this is like one of the things I wanted to say about building this future economy is that there's going to be hiccups and failures and things along the way. We're experimenting, we're learning how to do something that no one's ever done before. But you know, whenever there's a bad headline out there, whenever your CPU won't work for a couple of minutes, it's not it's not a you know a total failure it's not the end of the line guys <laughs> it's, you know <laughs> definitely yeah uh, it's well and these are things i mean to your point that that is definitely a real issue but they're things that are still almost like being experimented with on the chain mm -hmm. so we saw you know the initial cpu congestion threshold which is hey when the network reaches this percent of what we think is total capacity you know freak out and go into congestion mode and don't let anybody transact ab above what they're guaranteed on the network and that was first 10 percent, then it was 20 percent, then it was 30 percent 30% caused some issues with missing blocks that BPs are still trying to figure out. So now it's 25% again. But we're still kind of figuring out and like doing this weird dance of like, oh, we make this change here and now CPU does this. or we make this change here and CPU goes down. So I think over time that'll get better. But I'm really expecting Rex to solve a lot of those issues for, you know, the long, long term. 
Yeah, I'm looking forward to Rex for not only those reasons, but also to test out the referendum because I think like we've talked about in previous episodes, when the Rex is first implemented by the BPs, it doesn't necessarily need a referendum until it, it starts touching the, the system con, uh, the system funds from the name yeah. auction fees and the RAM trading fees. And I think that that'll be an awesome thing to see the whole community come together to, to vote this in on a referendum. That's what I'm looking forward to the most, I think. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, if we were able to get the community together to unlock the chain, I can't imagine that they won't come together to get a bunch of free money out of the name fees and the name <laughs> bidding and all that stuff, you know? That, that, that's so that's we'll my biggest question is, and I, I brought this up with uh, Kevin and Miles, was how do we handle the fees that have accumulated from June 1st or whatever, June 3rd until today? So when we implement the Rex, it's going to start collecting these fees and, and put uh, pumping them into the Rex to be redistributed as profits. But what do we do with the four months of uh, EOS that's been accumulated from the RAM trading fees and the name auction fees up until this point? Do we burn yeah. it? Do we set it aside for like a rainy day fund? I'm, I'm curious to see what the community comes up with on what to do with those funds. More swag. <laughs> yes. Yeah, more backpacks to give out at the hackathons. That's what we need. We're coming up they on about an a... hour here, boys, I and I want to really yeah, get this yeah. out for <laughs> Thanksgiving. So I guess maybe we should say happy Thanksgiving to everyone watching if you're in the U.S. Uh, is it, Rob, Absolutely. do you have anything to close out with? Yeah, I would just say, you know, my personal thanks this Thanksgiving is just a huge thanks to, and this is genuine, huge thanks to the EOS community, whether you came up to us at the hackathon, whether you leave a comment, whether you tweeted us on Twitter, it's just so cool to be a part of this community. So oh, yeah. thank you to all you. Thank you to the people at Block One. If you're building something on EOS, thank you. Pete, what are you thankful for? I'm thankful <laughs> that Rob and I will soon be doing an episode on URI. Yeah, <laughs> I'm excited. It it's going to be good. I, I thought that was funny. <laughs> when people, people no, I'll definitely are, do so it. I'll commit this, in public. <laughs> we're at the Scaling Blockchain Conference, and this is like Pete's introduction to the... I mean, it was my first time with the US community in person, too, but I kind of talked with a lot of these guys online and stuff. But they heard Pete's voice, and they're like, you sound familiar, <laughs> because he did his URI <laughs> podcast. I, yeah. I talked with uh, Rob. Awesome. I talked with Rob from Nougat, you know, the team that won... And uh, yeah. and he he comes up to me like the last is it's it's not is it Rob Rob yeah okay, it was Rob yeah, yeah Rob, so you. many Robs uh, he comes up <laughs> to me like the last possible minute before I'm leaving scaling blockchain and he goes. Are you Bitkenstein? <laughs> I was wondering to myself, who's that guy? I he's met? that crypto philosopher <laughs> guy. Who's that guy. So yeah, it was. Yeah, I, I uh, I'll have to listen to it again, and then we'll we'll go through the running. But I'll commit here in public. We'll definitely do that podcast, and we'll debate it out. And maybe I'll change my mind. I don't I'm, know. We'll I'm see. open to change too. You know, it's it's all like I said, yeah. it's all stumbling and experimenting and trying to figure out a better future. Definitely, right. yeah. And but I'm uh, I'm thankful for uh, the EOS technical and block producer community to kick white blocks ass in an upcoming debate that I don't think has been publicly oh, announced. Yeah. But there's currently oh. being planned. Thomas Cox is going to be the middleman moderator of this. Some very oh, technical nice. guys from the EOS community, mostly block producer teams. And then two guys from White Block. We're going to be, not we, but they will be doing a live stream. I think on November 29th, don't quote me on that. But it'll be a live stream of running all of these CPU tests and all, all of these different metrics that, that White Block had, had done on their own. But with the assistance of the EOS technical community to make sure it's fair. And there might be some stuff that we're not happy about with the results, but but that that's the game we're playing. What we're, we're creating a constructive conversation out of all of this, so it's not just fud. So I'm thankful for that. I'm I'm, I'm thankful to see that we could uh, settle this as adults, I guess, instead of yeah. just pointing fingers at each other and saying you are 
or, or not a blockchain and find that middle ground where we can agree. We, we all want to revolutionize and upend industries here. And we're all fighting like the same battle. We just have different techniques of how we're going to get there. So I'm thankful that uh, we'll kind of put some of this uh, argument to rest on what is or isn't a blockchain. We'll kind of answer some unanswered questions from their research and hopefully find a common ground. So I, I guess on that note, uh, happy Thanksgiving to everyone watching in the U.S. Happy yeah. Thursday for everyone who's not in the U.S. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, once it. again, I'm Zach Gall. I'm Peter Kay. And I'm Rob Finch. And this is Everything Use.